for this is there's nothing to compare to this this is better than silver and this is better than gold there is nothing better than your presence for in your presence there is fullness of joy we are refreshed we are renewed we are revigorated the troubles are left in the past and the glory holds us the glory befalls us my father we thank you my father hallelujah Jesus because you live we live yes we have no fear for what tomorrow brings yes. because you live hallelujah well if you can sit you may sit hallelujah hallelujah God is awesome God is indeed awesome you know I don't know why people do drugs well, maybe now I know why people do drugs. <laughs> now I do. Because when you're in the company of the Holy Spirit, when the power of the Holy Spirit breaks forth like this, it gives you such a high that you crave. So I can understand why people keep going back to those things. But we have a drug that's better than theirs. We have a Jesus that always does us good and no harm. For the blessings of the Lord, they always make us rich. And he adds no sorrow. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to try and get through uh, what I started on Sunday. Father, we thank you for your presence. I thank you that we have ears to hear. I thank you, my Father, for my tongue is like the pen of a ready writer. I thank you for you have given me the, 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 the tongue of the learned. My Father, you will cause me to speak a word that is fitting for the season. We bless you, my Father, that your spirit is here. We know your spirit is here. So let us uh, flow with that spirit, oh God. Out of that spirit, let us drink. Out of that spirit, let us speak. Out of that same spirit, let us hear, my Father, so that your people are edified. They are lifted up, my Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. All right, we're going to continue our conversation where we're talking about vision. Um, we, we, the question was really, what do you see? And the subtitle was The Power of Vision. And uh, we said a vision is critical. It's a critical success factor for anything we do in life. We said by far the most important organs of sense are our eyes. We perceive up to 80% of all impressions by means of our sight. Vision has the greatest overall impact on quality of life. What you can see will determine what you can do. And what you will do will determine what you get. So vision drives actions and it drives outcomes. That's kind of a, a synopsis of what we said on Sunday. And we further went on to break it down. And I'm to, to kind of advance the conversation, and this is going to be very interactive. Please feel free to stop me. Um, I do training here in the U.S. And uh, um, sometimes when you're speaking to a non-Nigerian audience, uh, you know those people, they hear with accents. So when we speak with our Nigerian English, they are listening with accents. So they don't quite always understand what we say. So I, I tell the class that I recognize that you're audibly challenged. <laughs> and the problem is not my ability to communicate, it's your ability to hear. So if at any point you hit an obstacle and you don't know exactly what it is, I, I say a word that you've never heard before. We put a white tissue in front of them. We say, consider this a surrender flag. When you can't deal with it, just wave it and say, I surrender. Okay? 
So I give you the liberty to wave a surrender flag this evening. If there's anything that I say that sticks in your craw, or anything that you don't particularly understand, again, the objective of this Wednesday session is to leave here getting it. And so whatever we need to do so that if one person gets it, it took one man, Jesus Christ, to change the world. Amen? And so I'm going to start by telling you the story of a person that uh, I'm very well acquainted with. We used to call him Groovy Gardeners. <laughs> this was in the 70s when baggy pants were in and, you know, platform shoes were in and men had afros and had uh, black power combs in their pockets. Well, Gardeners was cool. Groovy Gardeners was cool. In fact, that's, you call him Groovy. You call him Gardeners, you say Groovy. You call him Groovy, you say Gardeners. Now, he was a transporter. He had a car. Uh, this interstate uh, transportation service is what he ran. He had his own, and he ran it very well. Those of you that have lived in Africa know exactly what I'm about to tell you. Because you have on all of those buses and trucks, they have these inscriptions they put on those. You, you remember them, right? <laughs> and and uh, you, what, some of them are one with God is majority. God's time is the best. If God says yes, no man can say no. There's the one that's very interesting. Who born monkey? <laughs> and uh, obviously, the one that just uh, baffles me is this, this, this. And these people, obviously, you, if you lived in Nigeria, there are no speed limits in Nigeria. The speed limit is however fast you can go. Okay? And, and so, uh, um, uh, death by... Uh, auto accident is uh, a major cause of death in Nigeria. And we're running like the devil is after us. And we're doing so on roads that are terrible. And so, anyway, let me not gross you out. So, bad things do happen on Nigerian roads. But this one, this man had one inscription and his, uh, he said, relax, God is in control. Meanwhile, he's trying to do everything to kill everybody in his car. But he tells you to relax, God is in control. But I'm telling you this story to tell you about Groovy Gardeners. Groovy Gardeners had an inscription in his car. And I'll translate, or somebody that speaks a better pigeon than me can translate. On this car, he said, Now, man, we no plan in life well. Now, they say, which they worry am. Okay, yes, thank you. Somebody has just thrown a surrender flag. Thank you. So, he says, It's a man who hasn't planned his life properly, that always complains about witches and wizards coming after him. He said, now man, we no plan in life well. Now they say which they worry him. And while I don't discount the reality of, of uh, evil forces, of, of uh, forces of darkness, it has been my experience that most of what we give uh, attribute to Wizards and witches chasing us and uh, bothering us is really the manifestation of a life that is lived without vision. I, I think we give the devil way too much credit. And when we fail to live a life that is characterized by an intentional, passionate, and purposeful pursuit of vision, we invite fear, failure, frustration into our lives. And fear creates insecurity, which leads us to all kinds of imagination. A life that is out of alignment with the Father's will is often vulnerable 
and susceptible to negative influences, the influence of fear, of insecurity, negative thoughts, negative words, negative actions, which ultimately become self-fulfilling prophecies. If you imagine it long enough, the devil will give you some taste of reality. Because the thing that you magnify in your life is going to become real to you. And, and the, 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 the tragedy is this, that it's in our human nature, it's in our human nature to look to external sources for the reasons why we're not doing as well as we think we should. So if I can blame it on somebody else, then that, that absolves me of the duty of taking responsibility for my own actions. If I can look at somebody else and blame them, then it, it does my ego. They said the, the, uh, the best idea to sell somebody is the idea that is better than somebody else. And so if we, if we can kind of look elsewhere for the problem, if we can blame our, uh, my father's wife or my uncle or my sister or this person that looked at me the wrong way or gave me something, that if we can blame somebody else, then that removes from us the duty for taking a critical look at ourselves. And, and you know this, that burying your head in the sand doesn't make the problem go away, does it? Absolutely not. And so we need to come to a place. We, we forget verses of scripture like Psalm 125. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. We forget verses of scripture like Luke 10, 19. I have given you authority to trample on snakes, scorpions, and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing, nothing, nothing will harm you. We forget Psalm 27, 1 uh, to 3 that says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Or whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked come against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumble and they fell. Amen? Amen? Let me tell you, Henry Ford, who is the father of the uh, motor, automobile industry in the U.S., said, said something that's very profound. He said, only 10% of people are looking to succeed. Only 10% of people. He said, 90% of, of people are looking for a reason why they failed. They're looking for something or someone to blame for their lack of success. Only 10% of people. Because... If you, in fact, are success-oriented, vision-oriented, every stumbling block is a lesson learned to get you to the next level. But if, you're, if you have no vision, at the first sign of opposition, you tremble and you fall. That's it. You're quitting. Your enemies, the devil is after you. All of those things that we blame come after us. The man that, uh, uh, Alfred Nobel, how many of you know the story of Alfred Nobel? The man after whom the Nobel Peace Prize is named. How many of you know his story? The man was a scientist in, in uh, one of the Scandinavian countries, uh, uh, Norway, I think, or Denmark, one of those two countries. Now, he came upon a, he wanted to, uh, to uh, create dynamite. And so he tried to put all of these chemicals together. And every time things would blow up, he blew up his house, he blew up his lab. He blew up his neighborhood, so much so that the authorities had to banish him to the fringe of the city. Eventually, he perfected the formula for dynamite. Dynamite, in its original state, was supposed to be used for blowing up uh, mines so that you could get to the minerals. 
very soon it was leveraged for war and it became a, um, a, a, an instrument of mass destruction. In his later life, the man regretted ever uh, coming up with dynamite because of what men had done with it. And that's why it, he instituted that Nobel Prize. That Nobel Prize strictly is given to people who pursue peace. That's the story of Alfred Nobel. But I'm wondering if the man had said, okay, the first time he blew up his house, killed a relative of his, if he had quit, would we have an Alfred Nobel Prize today? Now, the fact that men have abused the invention doesn't mean that dynamite in its original form and its original use didn't have value for humanity. And most people, are, and I pray that uh, you're not one of them today, would rather live with the lies would rather live with the lies than let the truth confuse them. In other words, some of us are not interested. We won't let the facts confuse us. We don't want to be confused by the facts. But if we would reconnect and recommit to God, if we would pursue vision, Proverbs 3 tells us this. It said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. In all of your ways, in all of your ways. The last time I checked, all meant all. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. Because I found out that when we try to direct our path, we don't do such a good job of it. God knows where all of the mines, are, the pitfalls are. Where all the mines are, are hidden. And God in his infinite wisdom knows how to navigate you to that path. But we all... The problem with Adam and Eve, I know ultimately it came down to disobedience, but their real problem was thinking that they knew better than God. And that's the problem with human beings. We can't follow, it's, it's easier to follow our own imaginations than follow simple instructions that God has given us. But God has promised us that I know what I have for you. I know the destination that I want to take you to. I know what is waiting for you at that destination. Just place your hand in mine. Act like the person that is blind and let me just navigate you. Let me tell you to turn right, turn right. When I say turn left, turn left. When I say go straight, go straight. Because if you follow this instruction, the Bible tells us that God has promised to take us to an expected end. There is an end and there is an expectation that is attached to that end. And that's where the provisions and the blessings of God remain. So we uh, said, what is vision? Uh, we said vision is more than sight. It is insight. It is more than the ability to see. It is the ability to see right. Remember the illustration we used about the man that Jesus healed, and he said, what do you see? He said, I see men walking, like to, um, see men as trees walking. He could see, but he couldn't see right. It was only when Jesus touched him that his vision cleared up. And so we said that vision is the essence of God in man. That causes man to see as God sees and therefore to act as God acts. Because we know that this, the outcomes we, we get are the result of the actions we take. The actions we take are the result of the, the way we think. And so we typically will get what we, the way we act determines the results that we get. And so we said a few things about vision. We said, first of all, God is a God of vision. And I will not rehash all of the things. We said everything he does he does by impartation of vision. We said vision is essential for order. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Everyone does what is right in their own eyes. The result is often always a lack of cohesion 
a lack of productivity and potential is always not maximized. Where there is disorder, there's a lack of unity. And where there's no unity, there's no blessing. Because God says in Psalm 133, how good and present it is for brethren to dwell together. If you read down to the end, it says what? For there God commands the blessing. As a matter of fact, let me tell you how important vision is. Most of us read the Tower of Babel, and, uh, and we kind of read it, and we understand what, what is happening there. But look at the essence of it, that even when they had a negative vision, but they had a vision, and they were working in cohesion, in unity, against something that was a negative vision, what God came and did was so disorder in their midst. And that disorder, they couldn't communicate, that, that broke apart all their plans to do whatever. They, so vision, again, is essential for success. We said vision drives your core values, and your core values will make you or break you. Your core values are what make you uniquely you. They are the essence of who you are and how you see the world. They are the full expression of what you really believe and how you think. They are the anchor that holds and stabilizes you when life rocks your boat. The compass that guides you when things get murky. And truth occurs in shades rather than in bold colors. And I'm telling you, the church is in a place where it needs vision now. Because we don't know what truth is anymore. We don't know what truth is anymore. Um, there are all kinds of doctrines. And, 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 and the problem is this. Biblical illiteracy is the bane of the church. Because any charlatan can get up anywhere and tell you anything. Because they have reverend, apostle, prophet, or whatever by, by, uh, in front of their name. We, we take that as the authoritative word of God. But the Bible tells us in these last days, all kinds of people, with all kinds of doctrines, all kinds of messages are right. Because people have itchy ears, they will draw them away. And so if there's anything, and vision comes from the word of God. If you want to get a vision for your life, get into the word of God. Because God speaks through his word. If, by the way, if anything I say here this evening is at odds with what is written in the word of God, disregard it. The authority for the life of the believer is the word of God, not what I say. If I have a brand new revelation about something, if God hasn't spoken to you about it, tell me, Oga, I'm, I'm going to be a Berean. Okay. Let me go and check with the Lord on that matter. Okay. And if, if, if God confirms, look, you, we need to understand this. God has no grandchildren. Every person has a personal relationship with God. And God has no favorites either. So, now, we, he has no favorite, but we all have different measures of grace upon our lives. So, the grace upon my life is not the measure of grace upon your life. So, the measure of grace is a different matter. But does God play favorites? No. The grace that's upon my life is to enable me to do what God has called me to do. The grace upon your life will enable you to do what God has called you to do. If I try to compete with you, I'm walking outside of the realm of my grace. The Bible says the fools compare themselves to themselves. So each man has a measure of grace. God has given each one of us a measure of grace. And so that measure of grace is what that enables us to hear from God. So that each man, a little child, how, much was, how old was Samuel when God called him? 
he was, he was old enough to hear, to recognize that somebody was talking to me, but he wasn't old enough to discern. He was a little child. So if God would speak to children, for goodness sake, if God would talk to a donkey, are you not better than a donkey? But if you would do, if we do what is uh, required, if we apply the diligence to hear God, if we apply the diligence to draw close to God, the word of God says, if we draw close to him, he will draw close to us. And by the way, God never moves. When we say I'm far from God, it is not that God moved away from you. It is by a series of steps, a series of actions, you distance yourself from God. But when you start to come back to God, God is always there. He's always been there. He never moved. He never relocated. He never changed zip codes. He's always been there. What happened is that your eyes were blinded and you moved. But when your eyes become open like the prodigal son, you are, I'm coming back home. Daddy never moved away in that story. The father never went anywhere. The prodigal son went and came back home. Amen? We said also that um, a strong sense of vision is always anchored on a strong sense of identity. That's when I was looking. I, I said it's not, it's not coincidental that we're dealing with this issue of vision right after we've laid the, uh, emphasis, uh, the foundation of identity. Because a strong sense of vision is always anchored and built on a strong foundation of identity. I told you the story of Simon and how he became Peter when he caught a revelation of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, gave him a vision for his life. The Simon the Reed became Peter the Rock. Amen? So get a vision for your life and watch what God will do for you. We said vision drives relationships and associations. The Bible says, can two walk together except they be agreed? Vision creates cohesion. And where there is no vision, there's always, almost always, division. That word we call division is actually a two-part word. It's die, meaning multiple. Vision. So you're seeing, the Bible, the Bible says, if your eye is singular, then the light in you is, is uh, what, you know what it says. Say, so be careful how you see. Be careful how you see. If, 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 you, if God gives you a vision, if you're looking to see what the person on the left is doing, maybe you tailor yourself to that. Or the person on the right is doing, you tailor yourself to that. What you have is division. And division is the reason why we need glasses. The reason why I need glasses today is because I don't see clearly. Sometimes I'll look and I'll see multiple objects standing in front of me when there's only one man. So there is, there is a cure, there's an answer for division. But the Bible tells us clearly that vision drives our associations and relationships. I made the point that as much as I love Pastor Bank and as much as I love most of you sitting in this room, I did not come to World Outreach Church because of you. Because I said if I came here because of you, I probably would have left because of you as well. That I said I don't understand why people leave churches because they're offended. Somebody has offended them. Somebody has looked at them the same way, or the wrong way, or didn't greet them in the morning or something. You don't know what kind of day the person is having. I told you Pastor Bank and I have had, Pastor T, you're here. We've had tension. IBK was mediator one day. <laughs> Pastor Bank and I respectfully going back and forth on it. But 
It is in that situation that my love for Pastor Bank is established. Because love, if your love hasn't, hasn't been tested, then you may not truly have love. Because it, it is test that proves the love. So I tell my kids, when mommy and I are having at it, when we're having intense fellowship, don't be afraid. <laughs> when, we're, when we're having intense fellowship, the reason why, why metal knives are sharp is because there's been a friction that's been applied to it. And when that friction is applied, sparks are flying. But when that knife is done being sharpened, you can apply it to anything with very minimal effort. It will go through it. So, don't conflict isn't evidence of, of uh, a, a lack of relationship. But I'm saying this. Because I didn't come to World Outreach Church because of pastor, as solid a, a teacher of the word, as good a man as he is, as, as, and if I tell you what pastor has done for me, especially when my father died, if I tell you, I mean, I, I would lay down my life for that man. I would lay down my life for him. That, that's how much I love Pastor. So, and it is the test that we've been through that, that, that um, uh, okay, let me just get off the subject. I'm just saying this, basically. Of all the good reasons why you leave a church, the fact that somebody offended you is not one. Now, we must deal with offenses. The Bible has a prescription for how we deal with offenses. But the reason you leave a church is not because you're offended. If you leave because you're offended, you came for the wrong reason. But if vision brings you, vision will keep you. By the way, if we're so busy, if we're so passionately involved with the vision that God has given to us, we don't have any time for offense. Because when offenses come knocking at the door, there's nobody home to open the door. Amen? Okay, so uh, let me get up there. I'm getting some daggers going in my direction. I'm just going to quit. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall <laughs> Amen. Okay, so we said vision compels and constrains actions. What does that mean? If, if you have a vision and it's not causing you to do something, all you have is a dream. Because even that very verse of scripture can two walk together unless they be agreed. Walking is not a passive activity. It's not a passive activity. And agreement isn't just merely mental assent. Oh, I agree with you. Most of you that are listening to me, when is registering, what are you doing? You're nodding your head. Nodding your head is not a passive activity. It's, it's an affirmation of agreement. So you can't be agreed with somebody. You can't agree with the vision. You can't have a vision and sit down and do nothing. Okay? So your vision must compel you to action. But your vision, in addition to compelling you to action, your vision also constrains your action. What do I mean by that? Let's look at Matthew. Um, how much time do I have? You have a clock that doesn't work. Let's, let's read very quickly. Matthew 15. Matthew chapter 15. Um, where's my vision correction? Matthew 
anybody find it? Matthew 15, starting from 21. Hang on. Did Jesus have the ability to heal this woman yes. or herself? Did he have the power to, to act on her behalf? Yes. Was he not God? Yes. But what did he say he was, his mission was? He was only what? Yes. Only. 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 So this woman, as much as, as, as needy as she was, Jesus was constrained by the vision that God had given to him, by the errand that God had sent him on to take just action that pertain to the lost uh, uh, sheep of Israel. But obviously, mercy said no. And faith, the woman demonstrated incredible faith that said, in fact, that she was as much a house, a part of the house of Israel. Because the house of Israel is not a biological thing, it's a faith thing. We are birthed into that lineage by faith in Jesus Christ. And she demonstrated a faith that Jesus was awed by and she got a miracle. I'm saying this, for those of us in ministry, sometimes we're constrained by processes and procedures and we forget the mission of ministry is to deliver the love of God to people. Sometimes we let things strip us up. I have to do this, like the, um, uh, what is it, the uh, Levi, what was that story about the Levi that was going to, the man that fell by uh, robbers? The Good Samaritan. That we're so preoccupied with the minutia with all of the uh, paperwork and all of the things that pertain to ministry that we fail to do ministry. Amen? Amen. So, for those of us here in ministry, the objective is to get love to people. Whatever doors you have to break down to get that love to people, do it. For those of you that know that I work at the CDC, I work at a a division in the CDC that's charged with... um, uh, uh, public health uh, emergency response. So where there's a hurricane, where there's Ebola, there's um, uh, all kinds of agents, man-made and uh, natural agents. When there's a public health threat, the first assets on the ground are the federal assets, and we deploy those assets. There is a protocol that we have to go through before you can release federal assets. We went through an incident with Katrina. Okay? Where the protocol almost kept us from delivering the goods to the people that needed the goods. And so the standing rule today is that do what you must do to get help to the people. We'll worry about the paperwork later. Amen? Okay. Um, Let me just uh, keep moving here. You cannot have a vision to be financially independent so as to be more available to God and continue to have a close personal relationship with Macy's, Visa, and MasterCard. <laughs> you cannot have a vision to be used powerfully by God, to know him intimately, and to spend, and spend all of your time on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or, what, <laughs> or watching TV. 
Those actions are at odds with the vision. And what you do will always determine your outcomes. The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. Amen. And finally, vision directs resource allocation decisions. All of us have 24 hours in a day. We don't have all the money that we need to do all the things that we need to do. So we must make wise decisions about how we use our time. Because time, once it's gone, you can never get it back. We must make wise decisions about our talent. Talent that is squandered, you can never get back. We must make wise decisions about how we use our resources. Uh, some of the times we counsel couples, when they come to us, the first thing we do, uh, premarital counseling, in addition to helping them craft a vision, will help them create the first family budget. Because that, that then says, okay, how are we going to add teeth to our vision? How do we live out this vision? Because if your vision is truly a vision, it must define and constrain everything that you do. How you spend your time. How you use your resources. Which kind of company you keep. It constrains everything that you do. So, so having a vision to, as to, to be used by God to bless some nation financially is at odds with spend, squandering money at every sale. You understand what I'm saying, right? So, but we know this, that everything that God orders, God will pay for. The other word we talked about was the word provision. Provision is also another two-part uh, word. Pro, which means for, vision. Whenever God provides a vision, he makes provision for it. And the provision is for the vision. God is not obligated to pay for what he hasn't ordered. Amen? Okay, so uh, just uh, moving right along. Um, so I, 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 just, just to bring this uh, home, what is the result of a vision-driven vision -driven living? And when I first came to work fan, those of you that were here then, 2004-ish, 2002-ish, we would always recite the vision. The vision, reaching the lost at all costs by discipling the nations, praying for the unreached, establishing cell churches, and sending forth leaders to the end of the earth. I mean, you could wake us up from sleep and we would say it, we would know it. But more than mere words, it propelled what we did. Let me tell you what the result of following and running that vision in my life was. First of all, I learned to pray for the nations. And today, I lead a prayer for the nations group at the CDC Christian Fellowship Group. Every Monday, we get together as part of our corporate prayer. We pray for the nations. They used to just pray for individual needs. I introduced the prayer for the nations as part of the prayer curriculum. And it has taken off. On Monday, we were praying for Nigeria. I participated actively in and learned to lead cell churches. The, the cell churches, from my, from my belief, are the primary vehicle for discipleship. So I participated actively in discipling. I discipled new believers, and today I conduct discipleship training wherever I go. When we take mission trips, we meet with pastors. Because the first people you need to disciple are the pastors. Because if you disciple them, they will disciple the people. And I do discipleship training whenever I go on mission trips now as a result of what God taught me in this house. I took my first mission trip and discovered a passion for reaching the lost. And my life has never been the same. As a matter of fact, it was after I came back from that first mission trip that God began to take me higher and higher. And ultimately, 
I got called into the ministry and was ordained. So that, that vision was essentially critical for bringing me to where I am today. Amen? Amen. I received leadership training and today actively serve in leadership in this house, at the CDC, and many organizations with which I'm affiliated. All because I latched onto a vision. I latched onto it, I believed in it, I bought it, and I ran with it. That is the power of vision. That's what vision can do in your life. So, in the little time we have, we're going to pray that God would impregnate each and every one. Because everything that God does, he does by vision. Yes. Okay, I thought you were, had a question. Before we pray, any comments, any feedback, any questions? The, the only white flag of surrender was somebody that didn't hear what I said, that needed uh, interpretation. Does anybody have any questions? Does anybody have any answers? Let me tell you what really blessed my heart. After I ministered on Sunday. Yes, sir. If you align yourself with God, your desires are God's desires. And what vision does is aligns you with God. So there's no distinction between what you want and what God wants. Remember, God, and I've thought this before. I don't want to belabor the point. When God gave, made man, he gave man dominion over the uh, earth and the seas and all of that. And he, the first expression of that dominion was the ability, the right to name the things over which he had dominion. God knew an elephant was an elephant, but he gave Adam that right to name that elephant because Adam could establish his authority over it. I'm telling you that when Adam was calling an elephant an elephant, heaven was saying this is an elephant. So there was no, there's no, um, there's no distinction, there was no division between the will of heaven and the will of earth. By the way, that's what Jesus tells us when he teaches us in the model prayer, let thy kingdom come. Let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To make that reconnection back to heaven and earth, walking in harmony and in one accord. Amen? Amen. Any other questions? Any other comments? I, I was going to read something to you um, very quickly. Um, this was a, a message that I got from somebody. Because after the, um, after the, um, after the message on, on bless my heart is this. He said, good morning, sir. I wanted to say thank you for the message yesterday. After asking myself, what do I see and my expectations for myself as of today? I, one, I am putting away idols that are taking my time and leaving me less time to spend with Baba God. Two, I know my relationship and intimacy with him can be stronger. Number two, I am writing a devotional I've been meaning to write. Three, I will start writing... Uh, something that is uh, passionate to this person and uh, they've been meaning to uh, do this. They will apply for employment and they will work to better their relationship with some uh, people in their family. One step at a time and I know I will see what I desire. Thank you again for the message, sir. See, for me, this was a real blessing. I, 
I appreciate those of you that told me you were blessed, but if you would take this message and apply it, then it truly blesses my soul. Amen? So let us pray. Let us pray very quickly. I know we're running out of time. Heavenly Father, let's stand to our feet. Heavenly Father, we bless you. We thank you, Almighty God, because we understand that you're a God of purpose. You're a God of plan. You're a God of vision, my Father. And Father, we confess before you that sometimes we don't see as clearly as we ought to see, that the challenges and the uh, trials of life, sometimes they obstruct our ability to see. But we thank you, my Father, for everything that you have made is perfect. If you gave us eyes, they can see. Since you gave us eyes, they can see, my Father. Since you have gave us a heart, we can perceive the movings of your spirit. So I thank you now, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, for a fresh outpouring of your spirit, an outpouring of your Holy Spirit, a spirit that inspires us to see, a spirit that enables us to hear, a spirit that quickens us in our inner man, that causes us to get up from our rut and to run this race that you have given us to run. Father, I thank you, my Father, now that you're speaking life into every dream, every dream that, has been, has, that is dead and buried, you're speaking resurrection life into it. I thank you, my Father, for every hand that has gone limp. Father, you're strengthening every feeble hand. For every week, every leg, Father God Almighty, that has gone crippled, I thank you for legs that are beginning to walk. Father, you ask the question, Son of man, can these dry bones live again? And you say, surely, yes, they can live. So, Father, we begin to speak to every dead bone, every bone in the valley, we speak life unto you, sign you upon sign you, flesh upon flesh, strength upon strength. In the name of Jesus Christ, thank you for a restoration of the ability to see. Thank you for restoring vision to your people. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that people will receive this message, not just as a good word, but as a life-transforming charge from God. And they will run this race, Father God Almighty. They will go back and seeking you, saying, Father, what changes must I make? What things must I alter in my life? How can I best align myself with your vision, Father? And Father, as they pray, thank you for answering them. Thank you for answering them. For you desire to give them all good things to enjoy. So show them, my Father, that which you have purposed for them. It is never too late. 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 For one day like you with you, my Father, is like a thousand years, Father God Almighty. And a thousand is like one, Father God. So rebirth and renewal. Rebirth and renewal. We speak it upon this house now. We speak it upon this house. And Father, perchance, if there be any people amongst us that are dealing with the spirit of offense, Father, you are the bomb in Gilead. Pour forth, pour forth, pour forth, Father, now. In the name of Jesus Christ, let the spirit of reconciliation, let the healing balm in Gilead, let him minister unto such a one. Father, where we need to repair relationships, enable us, Father God. Release the grace, my Father, to get it right, so that there is no division, my Father. So there is no division, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you, my God. I thank you, my Lord. It is well with us, spirit. It is well with us, soul. It is well with us, body. And we thank you, eternal Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah.